Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. On a day when the US CPI came in better than expected and the stock market in Wall Street really liked it and our market liked it as well. I'll be exploring with um, Marcus Bogdan of the Switzer Dividend Growth Fund and Blackmore Capital what he thought about the number and how he's going to invest as a consequence of it. And then I'll talk to my colleague Paul Rickard about the number as well and how he thinks the market will respond, not just today, but in the near future and also longer term. Is this ultimately a sneak preview of the good stuff that lies out there if inflation can keep coming down and as a consequence, less interest rate rises than has been expected in the past. And then we talked to the senior economist at PropTrack, Eleanor Cray, who actually is basically an employee of REA. REA owns PropTrack. And REA reported well this week. Uh, this is a company that we've been telling you is a good quality tech company, was likely to be a beneficiary of the potential lower interest rates and the fact that tech will probably be re-loved again. It's done well over the last month or so. But I also wanted to ask her, what happens to actual advertising on REA uh, when house prices are falling? You know, should a company like this do badly because the house price sector is under, under pressure? I think you'll be surprised at the answer and you might actually understand why REA's share price has been doing well and might continue to do well. So that's the show. Let's kick off now with Marcus Bogdan. Thanks for joining us, Marcus. Good to see you, Peter. All right, so big news overnight. US inflation came in less than expected. Um, Wall Street reacted very well. Tech stocks have a nice rise. Um, and But do you think this is the, the kind of um, data drop that is, is going to help this market eventually get into a solid uptrend over the next three to four months? It's, a, it's an important metric uh, to have that inflation uh, fall and start to stabilise in certain components there. The other key metric that we're looking at uh, is the, the, the significance of supply constraints in the supply chains also improving. And I think the third element that will drive markets uh, has been a better than expected Q2 earnings season in the US. It was nowhere near as pessimistic uh, as some people were forecasting. Uh, and then what we're seeing in Australia with the results season so far, um, very benign results from the banks. Uh, and today, an uplift uh, in, in Telstra's, Telstra's dividend. So I think all of those things are broadly supportive uh, of markets moving forward for the, for the, for the rest, of, rest of the year. Certainly challenges. I mean, inflation at 8.5% uh, is still problematic. But if the trend can continue to see uh, some further reductions there in inflation, whilst earnings remain relatively sound, mm. uh, I think they're very important underpinnings for the overall market. Yeah, and, and, and inflation is the, the change in prices. So even though prices have gone to a high base, a lot of those prices will probably fall by the time we get to our CPI, which will be a September CPI, 
Now that gives us um, what, July, August, September. Across those three months, oil prices are likely to be heading down. We've seen quite substantial ones. So yeah. it, it could well be that September number could be better than has been tipped even by Treasury and the RBA. Quite, I mean, quite, poss poss quite possibly. We've certainly seen that in commodity prices broadly coming, coming off. And I think you'll start to see it on the good side as well. Um, offsetting that is on the services side, which is a very important part of the component of the, of the, uh, of the economy. And also we're still seeing, you know, strong employment and, and wages. But I think that the heat, certainly the key heat in inflation uh, has started to moderate. And that is certainly a good thing. Yeah, okay. So given what you've seen, is it in any way changing your investment strategy going forward? Not at this stage. I think um, we want to be in the highest quality companies on the Australian Stock Exchange. Um, and we're really focused on quality and those defensive characteristics. I think what you might be leading to are we pivoting the portfolio more towards sort of growth stocks uh, not yet. Uh, we think that those valuations are still too high, particularly when you look at it uh, from an historical perspective. And I do think that they will continue to be challenged by higher discount rates. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that we haven't sort of commented on is just the trajectory of interest rates. And obviously, as they are moving forward, still in, a, in, a, in a, an aggressive mode, uh, you know, that could temper the markets somewhat. Yeah. So if you, if you want to, why don't you give us an idea of a company that you've maybe recently added to the portfolio and tell us why you did it? Well, we have um, tilted the portfolio more into telecommunications uh, for a number of reasons. Firstly, uh, the defensive nature of their earnings. The fact that they've been able to put, uh, and Telstra have alluded to this in their result today, they've been able to increase prices at the rate of inflation for their mobile business. That business is going extremely well as the industry leader. Uh, and thirdly, the dividend outlook uh, looks stable to improving, and Telstra have increased their dividend for the first time since 2015 today. And I think that that's a positive indicator. And the final element is that both Spark and Telstra have got significant infrastructure assets which they're monetizing, uh, which not only is, uh, strengthens the capital position of those companies, uh, but also provides uh, you know, f further, uh, further support for, for growth for those companies going forward. Mm. All right, so that's a company you've added and the reasons for it. Are there companies that you've got on your short list that you aren't ready to, to buy now, but it, at a point when you think growth stocks are going to have a good run, what kind of companies are on your short list? Well, it's, it's actually in two parts. So we've got growth stocks and we've got cyclical stocks that, uh, that are uh, potentially on the watch list. Uh, and both of those, you know, require some sort of stabilisation or 
knowing where the sort of the, the end point is on these interest rate increases are. Uh, so on the on the growth side, uh, you know, there there are com you know companies like Zero that we're watching carefully. On the cyclical side, uh, ones around building materials, you know, companies like James Hardy or, or Brickworks uh, that have got you know strong history of earnings delivery. But we just need to be able to see some stabilisation in the end markets. And if there is a soft point in the US economy, it's certainly been uh, the downturn that you're seeing in the US housing market. So we'd probably like to see some um, signs of stabilisation there before that we got really enthusiastic on, on the cyclicals. This week, a company like REA reported. Is that the kind of company you would at least run your eye over if you thought that the, the, the current price was, um, you know, a, a consequence of the expectations of lower house prices, but, you know, you may well believe that out there, there, there could be a housing recovery eventually. Yes, in another portfolio where dividends are not so imperative, um, we, we do have an investment in News Corp, and News Corp is the largest shareholder, 60% owner of REA. And REA um, has, has been an extraordinarily successful business and actually navigated very well through the global financial crisis, mm. uh, given the breadth of services that it, that it had. So that is an absolute leader, and I think that that will continue to show continued resilience as a very high-quality digital property property play. Uh, but the dividend yield is, is, quite, is quite low, uh, and so that has to be made up by... Uh, better than expected earnings growth uh, into the future. In your portfolio, are there companies that would do better or worse with a, a rising Aussie dollar? And the expectation is US uh, dollar will fall over time um, as they aren't going to possibly raise interest rates at the same rate. Um, if that was the, your scenario, are there, are there stocks that you think are currency sensitive and make you either buy them or sell them? Well, certainly, uh, I mean, the, the exchange rate is quite interesting given how high commodity prices are. Um, you know, the Australian dollar at around 69, 70 cents uh, is comparatively low. Um, if you look at the history since the, uh, the Aussie dollar deregulated in, in the 80s, um, there, are, there are companies that are, are highly sensitive um, to the exchange rate movements, particularly um, in some of some of Australia's largest um, companies, whether it be resources, whether it be companies like CSL, Amcor, or, or, or Brambles. Um, uh, those are either tailwinds or headwinds for those under, underlying businesses. But I think the important thing is that we look, you know, we try and look through the currency and look through the sort of the underlying growth rates uh, in, in those types of businesses. Mm. BHP is obviously benefit, benefiting from, you know, extraordinarily strong uh, terms of, of trade for Australia and the trade surplus that we have at the, at, the, at the moment, uh, and then companies in the sort of in, industrial uh, defensives, Amcor, Brambles, uh, James, Hart, James Hardy, 
with significant operations in the US uh, uh, you know, are quite sensitive to movements in the exchange rate. One last one, you hold BHP and obviously it's been a great dividend payer. Is your expect expectation over the next year that the BHP share price will, will go up or go down? Well, it's at the, it's at, it's at the sort of the bottom end of its, of, I think, its, its trading range at the, at the moment. Uh, and there has been uh, a moderate recovery in the iron ore price. It's around $111 today. It got down to about $100. Uh, and both, you know, all of the iron ore producers are still making incredibly strong profits there. Rio's recent result did see a reduction in their overall earnings because there has been a, a, a pullback in some of the key commodity prices in the, in the short term. And I think BHP, um, they've made a, an offer to Oz Minerals, um, uh, which I think is strategically important. It makes sense in terms of that increasing that exposure to copper and nickel. Uh, but it may mean uh, that they are more conservative in terms of their cap capital management plans, in terms of either buybacks or dividends. And you saw that conservatism in Rio's most recent result where the payout ratio was around 50%. So the underpinnings for BHP uh, still remain incredibly sound, uh, robust balance sheet. Uh, the pivot towards copper and nickel certainly makes sense. Uh, and I think that over the next uh, decade or so, uh, the decarbonisation and the requirement for minerals uh, will see very strong demand for their under, underlying commodities. Yeah. So do you think BHP will have to make another offer to um, win Oz Minerals? Well, they've flatly rejected the $25 level. Uh, and look, these things take, you know, they're generally a long tail in these to engage uh, the, the, the underlying company. And so I think, you know, this is obviously the first iteration and we'll just see how that pans out uh, going, going forward. But certainly from Miles Minnell's perspective, you know, they, it was absolutely opportunistic from, from BHP's perspective, given the weakness that we've seen in, the, in, uh, in copper. Um, but we, you know, we do expect to see a higher price going forward. Great. Thanks, Marcus. Terrific. Thanks, Peter. That's Marcus Bogdan, the fund manager of the Switzerland Dividend Growth Fund and the founder of Blackmore Capital. Well, as I pointed out earlier in my introduction, US inflation has come in better than expected and the market has liked it. Paul, is this a sne another sneak preview of what's going to happen when inflation really is under control and interest rate rises are over? Look, I think it, I think it is, Pete. I mean, this is what, if you go back to what caused the market back in uh, January and February to get the nerves mm. and uh, really what started the sell-off yep. uh, was all about uh, the fear of inflation I mean, we didn't know about the Ukraine war back in January, but Correct. we still were getting a. There was still some reads, people saying inflation was going up because of supply chain. Yeah. And then we had the Ukraine war on top of that, which then obviously changed oil prices and food prices, and and added to the the fear. Mm. But what we've seen all the way up is inflation has been rising more quickly than people feared, and so and the central banks have had to be more aggressive, 
And now you start to get a sense that, well, maybe inflation is peaking. Mm. And this is the first number that's come in better than expected. Uh, and maybe people will start to say, I think that, well, the central banks, they don't want to quite tip the world into a recession. No. Uh, but they need to slow it down which to do. And it's too early to say it's slowing down. But as soon as that inflation starts to moderate a little bit, mm. they're going to be a lot uh, less guarded in terms of uh, less circumspect about putting too much pressure yeah. uh, on increasing rates too fast. Yeah. And, and I think w what we look fo forward to now is the August number. Hopefully it'll bring a 7% type inflation number. And also what I looked for this morning and was happy to see was when you break up what is inside that consumer price index, rent prices, mm -hmm. car prices, gasoline prices, and all those sort of prices, they're all trending down, or, or most of them are trending down. And that's a really good sign, I think, for future inflation. And that's why the market's happy. And that's why tech stocks, tech stocks have had a really good day, haven't they? They have had a good day, a great day in the US. Not, mm. not, you know, Australia's sort of still behind, I guess, mm. but we're sort of behind a lot in this, in this market. We yeah. never went down as well. We didn't go down as far initially, and then we got we went down yeah. even harder. And, the tech, stocks, and then yeah. the tech stocks have bounced a lot more in the US. Yeah. Uh, I guess we're now sort of caught up a bit in reporting season. Mm. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think um, overall we've sort of tech such a small part of our market anyhow. When we've had more support for you know the, the banks and the BHPs of this world, that we've probably got lost a little bit in yeah. that. But uh, mm. yeah, I mean, it's a good, good performance day on on the tech side. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think you're right. I mean, this is uh, a really it's, it's, uh, as long as we don't think this is a one-off. Yeah. Uh, this is really important, and it's starting to look like um, the U.S. market bottomed back in June. That's what yeah. it's starting to look like. Yeah. Now, maybe it's too early to call that. Yeah. Maybe we see it test again. Yeah. Well, that's what, that was going to be my next question, Paul. I, I don't want anyone to think that okay, it's up up and away in a straight line. There will be profit takers, won't there? Yep. There'll be people taking the punt. Okay, I bought the zip at sixty cents, and it's now a dollar forty or something. I'm taking my profit. Why wouldn't you? But the underlying force of the share prices going up is the belief that interest rate rises aren't going to be as bad, aren't be as high yep. as as was expected. Yeah, and look, and I think interesting again. I said Matt Common sort of confirmed that from the CBA. Now there have been a CBA. This is just bring the debate mm. back to the local level. Yeah. I mean, we're going to follow the US, but let's look locally. Yeah. You know, a lot of people in our market have been thinking the RBA was going to keep going half percent, half percent, half percent, yeah, half percent. Ridiculous. Uh, CBA has been a bit of the outlier. They were, uh, yeah. but they're still an outlier. But you know, I guess the data's coming around to their side. And remember, mm. you know, driving our central bank has been just, I would think, follow on. You know, so much market pressure. They've been behind the eight ball. Mm. Now, when the market starts to sort of sense, well, maybe things. They don't need to push it as far. Mm. It, it's going to be easier for them to take the brakes on. So I think they've probably got to say that when we, we won't see half percent in September. Mm. We might see just a quarter. Yeah. And uh, you know the, the CBA view might be closer to where the cash rate is going to be at the end of the year than perhaps mm. the market had feared. So, so that's important locally. So we're at, we're at 1.85. So even if they did one last half a percent, and they could, they could be talking about, let's do this and then not do it for a couple of months, that would have us at about 2.35, was where I think CBA were expecting the cash rate. Yeah, be. I think they're sort of probably maybe 2.6 issues, I think. Okay. I, th so I think, still I think have that's sort of room for another maybe three-quarter of a cent between now and year-end. But yeah. there are people calling, you know, as high as, you know, So markets like to get ahead of themselves. So, look, look, I don't know whether they're quite, you know, the timing of this, and you're right, maybe we get something in September and then... We get a couple of months and they wait and see. I mean, it's, it's been a really steep, you know, 
increase, right? That's it's right. Only, only just flowing through. Yeah. Takes a long time to yeah. actually get, uh, you know, for, for borrowers to feel the impact. So. Yeah, and remember, not everyone's got a home loan. No. So if you've got a home loan, you've still got your job, um, you're still out there buying airline tickets to, to everywhere. Um, and one last one, Paul, then, is if you put all this together then, um, are, are you thinking that we're, we're gonna, our market is going to stay effectively creep higher over the next six to 12 Yeah, look, months? I'm actually, I th- I would, let me rephrase your question a little way. I, I think reporting season's going okay so far. What, right, what, what, when I say going okay, what I feared with reporting season was not so much the results, but I thought we'd see more conservatism about from, from Outlook, companies, outlooks, outlook yeah. statements. Mm. And to be honest, look, there, are, you, you know, there's no upside being a director, I can assure you, right? Yeah. So, and, yeah. and there's no upside being a CEO. So when the, everyone's talking about the world going to, you know, you've got China, or you've got Taiwan, you've got oil prices, you've mm. got Ukraine, there's a lot of uncertainty out there, right? Yeah. And so you expect, I expected people to be a bit more conservative, but mm. if you look at the actions, Right, particularly in terms of dividends, mm. right? Telstra, Telstra one today, I think, is is quite is quite positive. You know, mm. CBA, you know, um, it was a little conservative, but it's an increase. You know, they're they're probably going a little more than I expected, and I didn't, I haven't seen this sort of super. We really don't like the world could be really tr- tough the next six months, so we're really reluctant to tell you how we're going to go. Mm. Um, you haven't quite seen that conservatism. Now it's early days. Mm. Uh, but I'd say that's a little more positive for the market. Um, the, the results are sort of, you know, they're okay. They're nothing really stilled out so far. Yeah. REA was good, yeah. but they're, you know, they're, they're not quite seeing the conservatism on, on the outlook statements I expected. So okay. early days. So l- let's just say we, we're not in the business of picking an individual stock right now. But if, if we weren't, for the person who doesn't want to take the, the part of, you know, going for a, a zip or a tyro or a mega port or whatever from here to christmas playing an etf for the overall market not a bad yeah, idea look yeah i mean i think uh seven thousand I, st- I think you and i still think it's more likely seven and a half thousand by the end of the year yeah um an etf will lock in you know five or six percent plus two or three percent dividend return yeah look it's it there's going to be a cheaper time to buy it this won't be the bottom of the market no. um you know but uh yeah, you know, I think I still think this year could end up um, a positive overall, right? We started about seven and a half. We mm. went down to about six and a half. Not as bad as the US. Yeah. We're back at about seven. You know, we've got to see the the continuation. The inflation theory that has has peaked uh, has to work through the system. We have mm. to see that. But um, you and I always argued this was more transitory than than, than uh, yeah. and there are other forces at work. But yeah. you know, we're, we're out. You're out there today, sort of saying this is really good news in the US. Mm. I, I think you're right. Want to see it continue? But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's one way to play it if, if you're not a thrill seeker. Yeah. And yeah, there is that old saying, Paul, selling May and go away, come back on St Ledger's Day, which of course is in September. Oh, and you, you know, and you know, just put normally they're the scary months in the market, yeah. right? So let's, maybe this year might be a little different, right? Yeah. June yeah. is normally a good month, or June, July. So. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, October, November, December should be a good time for, for being in the market. Let's hope so. That's Paul Rickard of The Switch Report. Well, soon I'm going to be interviewing the senior economist at PropTrack, which is a business that's owned by REA. And ahead of the interview, I thought, let's have a look at what's been going on with the REA stock price. Um, we have actually been saying on this program that the good quality tech companies like REA, um, K 
carsales.com, those sorts of companies really are the ones that will probably be bought first when tech uh, stocks are forgiven. You can see on here that there actually has been a high of REA of $187. It's now $129. But the recent low, with tech stocks being sold off, it went down to around $95. And since then, there's been a 36% rebound. So those people who listened to us when we started talking about you know, buying quality tech stocks, and I think June Bay Lu was, a, and I think uh, Julia Lee were two um, experts who liked the idea of buying the quality tech stocks a, a few months ago. They've really um, given us some really good uh, indications. Now, I'd like to have a look at what the analysts are saying on FN Arena. And the table in front of you shows you that. There's seven analysts there. Running through, there, there are two that aren't all that keen on the stock, but the other five out, outperform, buy, add, buy, upgrade to buy from neutral. So five out of seven analysts still like the stock. The average rise is 3%. That 3% comes from adding up all the, um, the rises or, and falls in that end column. Um, and, but if you have a look at that end column, uh, a company like Macquarie is very negative on the stock, 31.96% downside. But a lot of other analysts are very positive. You've got Credit Suisse, 9.79%, Citi, 18.6%, uh, Morgan's, 11.33%, Audemonet, 12.11%. So there are plenty of people who still like the stock. And so what I want to do is ask uh, Eleanor Cray about the, um, the behaviour of people when house prices fall. You know, do they keep looking on websites like REA? Do the ads stay in there longer? And so potentially, can REA do well during a, a period when house prices are falling? So let's just see what uh, Eleanor has to say about the future of house prices, and we'll try and work out whether that's going to be a positive or negative for REA, the stock. Well, joining me now is Senior Economist at PropTrack, and that is Eleanor Cray. Eleanor, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Tell us what you and your team at PropTrack are seeing for house prices over the next year or two. So certainly as interest rates have risen and risen quickly, housing market conditions have deteriorated and prices have quickly began to fall in, in some parts of the country. Uh, so the PropTrack Home Price Index is showing that currently national home prices are down 1.66% from their peak in March. Now we are expecting those price falls to continue as interest rates continue to rise. Uh, so we're expecting a range of around minus nine to 15% price falls by the end of next year. Um, but there are some, I guess, key kind of uncertainties there in terms of uh, how far and how fast the cash rate really does truly uh, end up. Mm. Uh, and of course, how much uh, or what the profile looks like for the deterioration in household spending uh, as interest rates continue to rise quite quickly. How much is that going to be offset by tightness in the labour market, job security and, and wages growth, which will clearly play into the, the profile of how high and how uh, fast the cash rate can continue to rise. Mm. And, and of course, uh, how large those housing price declines are going to be. Yeah. Is there a, a measurable um, um, 
development, when interest rates rise certain percentage sizes and what house prices, how prices react. So I'm saying if there's going to be another 1% rise in the cash rate, does history give you an idea of what, how prices respond or is it, is it too different period by period to come up with a, a confident and accurate uh, guess? So certainly the RBA um, does have a forecasting model uh, that outlines uh, when interest rates rise a certain number of basis points uh, to expect uh, an X percentage of price falls um, in the housing market. Uh, but we've actually done uh, a little bit of a look back at past housing price declines. Uh, and there are various other factors that kind of play into, I guess, how far and how fast um, home prices can fall uh, when we do enter that down cycle in the market. Uh, and looking back to 1990, we've actually only seen uh, five periods uh, where nominal home price growth has ended the year negative in year ended terms. Uh, now, a lot of those periods have been slightly different. So the last kind of uh, largest or large outside price falls uh, that we saw uh, were in 2018-19, uh, when we saw macro prudential policy really tightening uh, and putting a dent in the housing market. But these, this period was also accompanied uh, by a period uh, of uh, weak, the labor market weakness and, and weak wages growth. So we're approaching a period that's a little bit different. So we know that the uh, unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in 48 years. Yep. The labor market is tight uh, and we are expecting stronger wages growth to materialize. And hopefully that will offset some of the impact of this fast pace of rate rises. I think it's also important to note uh, that we, when we look at uh, historical price falls um, Australia-wide, uh, we've throughout those five periods where year-ended price growth has been negative, looking back to 1990, uh, those price falls have actually never been larger than 10%. That's obviously a little bit different when we drill down into the different capital cities mm. uh, like Sydney, Melbourne and the likes. Uh, Sydney did see price falls of, of just over 10% back in 2018. Um, but again, when we look at uh, some of the kind of forecasts that are on the table at the moment in terms of seeing maybe 30% house price declines, um, although history is no predictor of the future, when we look back at previous housing market cycles, we haven't seen such outsized price falls. Mm. So does that make you want um, to see headlines like 30% house price falls? Bullshit! <laughs> of course, of course, I am joking. I am joking, but you probably are asked the question, probably that 30% fall looks a little bit over the top. Yeah, look, I mean, it's certainly uh, not what we're forecasting. We are forecasting that house prices are going to continue to fall as interest rates continue to rise and that those price falls will kind of broaden and accelerate. So far, we've seen uh, that it's really uh, the more expensive markets, Sydney and Melbourne, that are leading the price falls. Uh, so both Sydney and Melbourne uh, are down more than 3% from their peaks. Uh, and we do expect that uh, Sydney and Melbourne are going to continue leading the price declines. Mm. Um, we've seen so far that the smaller capitals, Brisbane, Adelaide, have been a little bit more resilient, although last month the PropTrack Home Price Index did show that um, we did start to see those price falls uh, coming into play in Brisbane. 
Um, Adelaide so far remaining a little more resilient. And we do think that that picture is going to kind of continue over the next um, 12 months or so. Um, but certainly we are expecting uh, prices to continue to fall. It's just uh, those kind of 30% forecasts, uh, potentially not. Okay, so is it fair to generalise that the cities, towns and suburbs where they had the, the mega rises, and I'm thinking towns, Byron Bay, um, suburbs, um, some of the seaside suburbs of Sydney and, and Melbourne, uh, if they've if had rapid price rises, is it more likely that they'll have bigger house price falls, or is that too simple a generalisation? No, look, I think we have seen that it's it's largely um, the upper end or the high end of the market. So the more expensive uh, suburbs at the moment that are seeing larger price declines. Um, so we talked about Sydney and Melbourne at the moment uh, being down more than 3% and kind of leading those um, price declines. But within Sydney and Melbourne, um, you're right to point out it is a lot of the markets that very much led the upswing that are seeing larger price declines at the moment. Mm. So um, when we look at Sydney, thinking of uh, suburbs within the Northern Beaches, also the Eastern suburbs. Uh, so when we've looked at uh, the kind of declining values over the last three months, we've seen that it's uh, suburbs like Palm Beach, Tamarama, um, suburbs within the Central Coast and also the Mornington Peninsula. So those lifestyle coastal destinations that were very much in favour um, at the onset of the pandemic and really saw uh, very outsized price increases are now kind of bearing the brunt of um, the value declines. And we're certainly seeing that that top end of the market is, is uh, falling at a faster pace. Okay, great. So I, I might go out and start bidding for houses at Tamarama and... Uh and uh, that's <laughs> areas. No, I'm just joking. Now, all right, so what I'm really interested in is, w given what you've, you've suggested, is, is there an, a natural belief that when house prices fall, that um, it's, it becomes difficult to sell properties? Um, or as house prices fall, does the supply of properties coming on the market and listed on REA, do they tend to increase uh, because people get a bit, well, it's down 5% now and they're talking 15 or 20. I better get my, my property on the market and try and sell before the worst happens. Is, is that a, a, a typical behaviour of potential sellers? So we've seen at the moment that new listings have continued to be very strong um, on our on realestate.com. Mm. Um, so the, I think there's a kind of number of factors coming into play there. Um, so clearly house prices have uh, only just uh, started to fall and, and there are expectations of further price falls. Um, but also we are continuing to get a bit of an overhang of um, people that potentially held back uh, last year when restrictions were in play and we're still getting that strong flow of new listings coming to market. But we are seeing that um, 
potential buyer demand or prospective buyer demand uh, from people kind of searching and looking at properties on realestate.com.au has pulled back as interest rates have moved sharply higher and borrowing costs have risen. Uh, and we've seen that flowing into kind of a weaker auction market. Auction volumes have fallen, auction clearance rates have fallen, and also sales volumes have fallen as well. So when we look at the month of July uh, across Sydney and Melbourne, uh, so sales volumes in Sydney are down 30 percent in July compared to July last year and in Melbourne down at 29 percent when we look at July last year. So clearly we're getting to that point where although we've got a strong flow of new listings coming to market, um, transaction volumes are slowing and we're kind of approaching a scenario where the, the total availability of property or the total stock of properties on the market is rising. Now, for some people, that could actually present a bit of an opportunity, right? So for buyers throughout mm. much of last year, um, there was a real sense of urgency, a fear of missing out. It was um, pretty hard, I think, for a lot of people to find the right property for them because um, we consistently saw uh, that the level of new listings was very uh, constrained. Um, and there was a really tight supply of properties available for sale. And now we've got a lot more choice. So there's a lot more opportunity to find um, the property that you're potentially looking for. Now, the now where that is a little bit different is the region still. Um, so we continue to see that although uh, the availability of properties for sale has picked up slightly in recent months, there still is a pretty constrained um, availability of, of properties for sale. And even though demand to buy in regional areas has dropped off as interest rates have risen, we've, we've still got that kind of imbalance between supply and demand in play in, in, in many regional areas. Okay. So is it fair to say then, you know, there's probably going to be a sort of a transitional period where uh, a, a, a property that may well have been on REA for four or five weeks before selling, it might be on there for 10 weeks until they either pull, withdraw it from sale or accept a lower price. Yeah, and I mean, we are starting to see that properties are taking longer to sell. Um, so we've seen that uh, days on site across all the capital cities have picked up um, off their record lows. Um, and have continued to kind of rise month on month throughout this year. Uh, now, there's a few factors playing into that. It is, of course, um, the fact that there is a lot more choice out there. So buyers don't really have that kind of sense of urgency, that uh, fear of missing out or that really tight uh, competitive nature. Um, that characterise the market in the upswing is no longer there. So that, of course, is meaning that people have a little bit more time to make decisions um, and properties are sitting on the market a little bit longer. Mm. Now, that is something that we are expecting to be a lasting trend throughout this year. And certainly as um, you know, consumer confidence has slipped, buyer demand has pulled back a bit. Um, and I guess people are feeling a little bit more hesitant, a little bit more uncertain about um, where future borrowing costs are going to be, certainly uh, than those prospective buyers over the last two years or so. And with this continued influx of new listings that we're seeing, we are expecting that properties are going to continue to take a bit longer to sell. Eleanor, thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you for having me. Well, given what Eleanor Cray said about listings being likely to be on the website for a longer period of time, and also the fact that they're not as negative about how serious the house price fall might be, it kind of augurs well, I think, for the bottom line for a company like REA in terms of profitability, and ultimately that should be a positive for its stock price. So 
Going back to those analysts, five out of seven were giving the company a thumbs up. Maybe I'm more keen to be a, an REA supporter than not, though I, I do have to say it was a much better buy around June 17 and beyond. Uh, but still, I think this company still has a, a few legs to go. Um, and given the fact that it had a much higher um, share price in the, the not too distant past, it probably has potential to go up a little bit more. And that's the show for this week. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget we are back on Monday. And if you want to know more about the kind of stocks that we look at, have a look at the Switzer Report, switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. See you on Monday.